This episode of Reasonably Spontaneous Conversation is brought to you in part by Clay Boykin Life and Business Coaching, because we all get stuck at times. For more information, visit clayboykin.com. By Janelle Bean, for fun and engaging children's books with cute and colorful characters. For more information, visit janellebean.com. And by Wise Owl Organizing, simply set up for you. Organizing consulting and clarity coaching, virtual or in person. For more information, visit wiseowlorganizing.com. Hello world, it's me, Dennis, today on Reasonably Spontaneous Conversation. I have my friend. I will call you my friend, Doug, because I have begun a friendship with you that is just delightful. I love the fact that we're peers, both of us at 74, uh, bringing our best game that we possibly can. And I'm so excited about getting a chance to talk with you. Well, thanks, Dennis. It's it's an honor to be on your show. And yeah, I feel like I'm talking to an old friend, even though I've only known you for, a, what, a week or two. But I know. And that's one, that's one of the wonderful things about it. Now, I want to connect us on how we met. Uh, and I'm going to use Corey Lynn Green as our junction point because we both met through her. So what I would like you to do first is to tell me how did Corey Lynn come on to your radar how did you learn about her because you have done music all kinds of music from from every genre so this is a specific genre and you met Corey Lynn Green how well it's an interesting story I think because a mutual friend of ours in Shenandoah Valley Virginia and Harrisonburg Virginia who I've known for many years she's not a musician but uh, I've come to appreciate how good her musical sense is. And she had never done this before, but she sent me an email one day with a link and said, you have to go see and hear my friend Corey. So I did. I clicked on this YouTube link and the song Blow Away, which is a title song from her first album, uh, was was on there. And I listened to it. And I listened to it again, and I listened to it again. Uh, you know, people are sending me things to listen to all the time. And 99% of the time, it's like, well, they're not going anywhere. Or that's interesting, but it's not, doesn't appeal to me. I'm not interested in getting involved. But instantly, I was so taken first by her voice, by her authority in her voice, and the song itself. And there are just so many clever things in her lyrics. You know, she's sees herself, and, and we've modified this somewhat, but we, she sees herself as an Appalachian singer because that's where she's from and that's what her influences have been, although she's very musically wide uh, experienced. Um, and uh, you know, in that song, there was just one line that's part of the chorus where she says, blow away my thinking mind. And I just thought that is so clever 
I've never heard anybody express that particular, you know, sense of why am I doing this? This is really stupid, you know, kind of uh, expression better than that. So I contacted my friend and I said, she's great. Uh, I really like her. I have no idea what she's doing, what her plans are. But if when you talk to her next, ask her if she'd like to talk to me about doing something with her music. And uh, that led into a couple email exchanges and a couple real long telephone conversations. And, you know, she's one of those kind of people that in two minutes of talking to her, it was like I'd known her forever. And that was just, yeah, exactly. That was just an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, I can go in further into detail about what happened after that, but that's how we got started. I had a, I'm so glad that you said that. Let me, I'll, I'll tell you what my intersection was. I was working for, with the, with the brilliant Renee Jaworski. I don't know if you've met her yet, but she's an extraordinary, uh, amazing uh, producer, writer, musician, uh, actor. Uh, and, and I, and like you, I admire Renee's taste her taste and so she told me she said look i know that appalachian music isn't your again my one of the things that i love about what you and i are going to be talking about is that you're going to be giving me uh, an entrance into music because music has always been more tangential to me television has been much much more but i i have a minor appreciation but renee said look you have to connect with Corey Lynn Green. I want you to have her on, on the show and, and pay attention to her, dig deep. So I did, and I began to uh, listen to the, uh, some of her music, and I didn't, but then I then I had her on the show. Oh, my God, there is such a an expansiveness and a depth to Corey Lynn Green. Uh, her, her connection to uh, herself, her connection to her spirit, to her personal growth, was astonishing and uh then i heard what y'all did with arrangement and mm. when i when i listened to arrangement it it knocked me out i just i kept listening to it over and over again i don't do that with music often uh, and and i just i just kept listening to the layers of the story of what she took it was astonishing so that's my connection in with Corey Lynn. Right. Well, it was, um, you know, oftentimes I hear some artists, it's either established or just getting started or totally unknown. And I often think, well, I, I instantly know what it would take to, you know, put their music in the best possible light. And Corey was one of those people for sure. And, uh, you know, we did several sessions with, that were just really to introduce her to the recording process. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, it came time to really get serious because we decided we wanted to make a, a CD, an album's worth of material, and we wanted to have it ready because she had this concert in her hometown, Harrisonburg, Virginia, the end of May. 
of 2022, this, this past May. And uh, she wanted to have that available to introduce at that concert. So it sort of put the pressure on because she had, you know, essentially zero experience in recording. And I needed to find musicians to back her up. And uh, so that was sort of my task for the next couple of months was to, to start making calls and talk to people that I knew and see what their recommendations were and so on. And ultimately, we put together this team of just the absolute perfect people for her. I was a little concerned because I'm in the Philadelphia area. I I don't think I, as, as much recording as I've done in my career, I don't think I've ever recorded anything quite like what Corey does. Um, and I didn't want to lose that Appalachian feel for it. So finding the right people up here was not easy, but I found great people that were just perfect. And the wonderful thing is they all uh, get along. They love working with her. She loves working with them. It's just such a fun, I, you know, I don't think I've ever had more fun in recording sessions than I have on her projects. But they're very intense because we have so much to do because for her to come up here is a, is a major undertaking because she's got a, you know, a family. She's got her own business. Her life is packed full. So we have to make the time she's up here as um, as effective as we possibly can. And so we decided that we would do each time she came up, we would do four songs for the album. So there, there's basically three sessions that, that we did that whole album in, which is in the recording world, very, very, very fast. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah. Now, in each of those, three of them were with the band, or the you know, the backup musicians, and one of them was just her. We might add other parts later, but it's basically just her. And uh, so it was rushed. And, you know, as we work through these songs, each time we did a session, we got a little closer to what I thought she should really sound like and what the backup should really sound like. And so we, we finished the album one time. It was, it was released at the concert. It's been very successful. And uh, she's got a terrific fan base, you know, that, uh, that that really loves her and her music. So that's wonderful. Uh, but we decided once that was done, we would do, uh, each session we would do one song and we would do it, uh, you know, to make sure that we got it as, as close to as perfect as we were capable of achieving. And, uh, you know, Corey and I always spent hours and hours on the phone or in person talking about, you know, my ideas for the song, her ideas for the song, and and how we were going to do it. And, you know, I think she probably told you this, but when she was up here one time and we were just recording a whole pile of songs of hers, just so we had them, just with her and her banjo, um, so that we had stuff to choose from for what we wanted to work on next. And she, I think we probably did 20 songs. 
she just sat out there in the studio and just sang it one right after another. And, you know, they're all great songs and we'll definitely do stuff with those someday. But for some reason, neither of us had much enthusiasm for doing them because she had written them a while ago. I had heard them before and I thought they were great, but none of them really reached me like, uh, you know, where, where I thought we should go next. And at the end of that, I said, okay, great. We got all these tunes. You got anything else? She says, yeah, I have, I do have another song, but I don't think you'll like it. <laughs> and and as well as she and I know each other, I, I'm still surprised that she said that because she's never played anything for me I didn't like. And uh, so I said, okay, well, let's do it. And she played Arrangement. And I just loved the way that song went, the contrast in it. You know, I always call it a divorce in three movements because, you know, it has that kind of structure where there's three completely independent parts that are totally different. And that really appealed to me because as anybody that knows me uh, is probably sick of hearing me say it, but my lament for 50 years has been Play me something I haven't heard before, you know, because everything just sounds the same. After a while, you've heard so much music and there's just nothing really innovative about it. You and wow. I grew up in the 60s when music was changing rapidly every single day, you know, and, <sighs> you know, and uh, that, that, that was an exciting, really exciting time. When she played me that song, I thought, wow, this is something we could really do something with. And she came in here to the control room. We sat down and we listened to it. And we spent probably another half hour talking about the song. And, I, you know, I said, I've got ideas for this. And I had it all pretty much the way it came out in my mind that day. Yeah. And uh, so we talked about it over the next uh couple of months or something and we um came up with a plan and i wanted to keep it super simple uh you know she she gets some criticism on from spotify and youtube and, and people that think her music is not produced you know they make it she's they they think it sounds like something she did in her basement you know oh, and, but but I know as well as I know from a non-music perspective, Doug, that that's one of the hardest things to achieve. Right. Well, that's just it. You know, I always say the music tells you what it needs. And I guess part of that is it also tells you what it doesn't need. And, you know, we, we decided from the very beginning that we were going to use more of a 1950s approach to her music, which if you remember most of the music back then, the vocals were way out front, you know, so that you could hear the words so clearly. There was never any question about what the lyrics were. And I felt her lyrics were so important. I wanted to record her music that way as well. And I think that, you know, for people that are used to this densely produced, overproduced music that is so popular, well, popular by default these days, that, um, you know, something simple and clean like that just doesn't sound right to them. 
and I figured this is really going to uh, upset those people because there's only three instruments on it. There's only her banjo, which isn't in there all the time. There's um, cello, which is in there all the time. And there's drums, which are in there for just one part of the song. And uh, so I talked to the players about it and told them what I had in mind. They were pretty enthusiastic about it. They all liked the song. And when we finally got in here, it just fell into place just the way I wanted it. Um, but as I was listening to it after we completed it, I felt there's just, um, I had always wanted a violin in it, but we didn't have access to a violin player that was, you know, the right choice for this. And, uh, I was doing another session with, with another artist that I'm producing, and he brought in this violin player that he had never worked with before, but was recommended to him. And I just thought, this guy's great. He's perfect for this song. So I asked him if he wanted to do it. He was enthusiastic about it. And he came in, we sat down, and it was like everything that I had in my mind that I wanted him to do, he had already figured out. So I knew that was that was going to be good. <sighs> And so I think there's four or five different parts he put on there. And it was just exactly what the song needed to complete it. I, Doug, the thing that astonishes me that, that so compels me about the song is her emotional journey, because you hear her at the different parts of her relationship, the, 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 the sadness, the, the, upsetness the anger the trying to deal with it the, you know to be able to then then bringing it back down again i mean there's such it, it, it's so powerful to me uh that journey yeah absolutely and i wanted to make sure that that was brought out in in the recording so you know on her vocal there we used three different microphones for different sections of that to give it each you know more appropriate sound for that part and uh, some things, you know, as simple as the amount of reverberation on her voice. When she goes into that chorus, you'll notice there's there's a little bit, but it's you know it's essentially no reverberation on her voice at all. It's just like she's just whispering in your ear. And then through the chorus, she builds up this anger, and as she builds up the anger, then I you know, bring up the reverb so that it, it's more impactful. Mm. And, uh, you know, on the on the one um, section, which is basically a rap, which, you know, that was her brilliant idea. And it just worked perfectly. And we talked about that. And we decided we wanted more of a Hamilton kind of style rap, not a, you know, typical mm -hmm. uh, pop kind of rap. And I think she really nailed it. And for that, you know, I used a microphone. It was very aggressive sounding. And um, it also has a bunch of delays on her voice. So her voice, you know, is is bigger and and uh, uh, just has more impact during that part. And then it's just with a final violin note, which I had the violinist hold right through to where she starts the chorus, where it drops back down to that very intimate, um, no reverb, you know, super simple 
uh, final chorus. And, uh, it, you know, everything I do, I always listen back and say, well, I, I, that could have been better and this could have been better. And I wish I had that. But, you know, in this case, uh, sure, it could have been better, but I'm perfectly happy with it. And I think it conveys the message exactly right. I don't know of an artist. I'm sure Leonardo sat down and said, eh, you know, just a little more on Mona. We could just, you know, it's part of, part of the process of what you're doing about where well enough is alone, leaving well enough alone. Doug, when did you get involved in the, uh, as a as a music producer going to the visual and and the video that she did? Were you involved with that? Not at all. I'm well, sort of peripherally, but. Um... One morning I get a text from her and she says, I'm sending you a video. She says, it's not very good. It was just one take, uh, you know, which she did. It was actually, she had a big concert that night and the the, and the, uh, the uh, sponsors of the concert put her up in a hotel. And that was shot in her hotel room. Uh, the I guess it was the morning after the concert. And she just did it once and sent it to me and says, what do you think? And I said, I think it's great. And so I put the rest of it together, you know, with the titles and, and laid in the music and everything. But it's it's basically her concept on that video. It, it was so powerful because to have that one shot against the window with the video blown behind her mm -hmm. and just to, to be able to tell the story. It, 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 I'm so glad. And of course, there, I'm sure everyone who is watching this has seen the link at the bottom uh, because we're, I want them to go to there. All right. When do you know when enough is enough in a music session? Like, how did you know, okay, We've, we've taken every take that we need. We've gotten everything that we do. At what point do you do that? Do you do that? Is it a spidey sense? Well, um, I guess to a certain extent, but I think, uh, I think you have to know where you're, where you want to end up before you start the journey. So I spent a lot of time thinking about and listening to the songs over and over and over again, and, and just trying to figure out, What's the best way to get this across? And, you know, usually I, I talk to Corey about it and, uh, you know, she, she never disagrees with me. You know, she always says, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. And uh, which is a real joy because this isn't always the case working with artists because they often have very strong ideas about what they want to do. And, uh, you know, I have a certain amount of detachment from it that she doesn't. And so I I think that that gives me an advantage on getting a, a broader overview of it. So pretty much by the time we've done everything that I think it needs, I don't feel the need for anything else. And, uh, you know, it, I try to make it sound like what my original vision of the song was. Now, sometimes that gets changed because somebody I bring in somebody like on this latest tune we did, which won't be out for another couple of weeks. But it um, the the background vocal, Kate, who's really, really talented. You've heard her on the album. And uh, she came in on this song and had these marvelous ideas, just wonderful ideas all worked out. 
you know, like three counterpoint um, uh, parts on on the ending of the song. They were just absolutely perfect. And, uh, you know, I pretty much had an idea about what I wanted her to do, but I, I never discourage anybody from, you know, showing me what they think. And I would say half the time I say, that's great, let's do that. And half the time I say, well, it's not quite what I had in mind. Maybe we could do it a little bit more like this and uh, get them to, to do that. Um, but it's, you know, the song tells you when it's done. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, th that's, that's what I, and then, all right. So you're going to continue with and continue developing it, it. What it feels to me is that uh, like, I don't understand how people go big, how, you know, what, what happens to me, it seems to me is that there is this entire uh, nucleus of artists that are just that are just wonderful that that have a uh that that are as good as anybody and then every once in a while for whatever reason in the universe one will pop out mm -hmm. and it'll just happen so you but you never can tell and you and there's no chasing that you know attempting to duplicate or replicate or whatever it just that kind of thing happens that's what it feels like to me with Corey Lynn, that something that that her like when she went into shame, when she did uh, did that uh, an amazing piece on shame. I mean, she's really talking about some profound uh, things that go into uh, a woman and, and go into dealing with the with, with body image and, and working this just stunning i mean i just think it's amazing and it feels like she's just beginning to touch on these subjects that are going beyond the appalachian uh the, the appalachian in into much more of of the universal at, at her time in creativity yeah i think that's true i always say i can't wait to see where we go next you know and uh each new song that she's come up with in the last um uh, well, six or nine months, I guess, has been totally different, um, so much more innovative and uh, just broader in terms of subject matter, audience appeal, all those things. You know, I often think about her, and, and she and I have talked about this. I don't think she likes this, this when I say this so much, but I always say, you know, there's there's parallels between your career and Bob Dylan's. And even though Bob Dylan was at the right place at the right time, you know, when the when folk music was like this hugely popular thing, um, you know, he kept changing and he would leave fans behind. And, you know, they were very upset with him for, for going to a, a full band electric. They wanted him to stay playing acoustic guitar and playing harmonica. Well, he wanted to do new things, you know. And uh, I, th I think Corey's the same way. You know, she she wants to expand beyond that. But how do you break through these days? That is the question that everybody in this business ask themselves every day. You know, on Spotify, there are 10,000 new songs every day. 10,000. So how do you break through that? 
And, you know, for me, um, in my career, I've worked on an awful lot of pop records and, 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 you know, real mainstream stuff, which I always enjoyed doing. But uh, for my own production, if I were to produce something that was like a typical pop record of today, I'd feel like a fraud. That just isn't me. And so I think I gravitate towards people that are, uh, you know, that, that don't fit that particular mold. Uh, because I I'm I need a lot of novelty in my life, and I need that in order to keep this interesting to me. It has to be something new every time, and uh, so I, I think Corey is really good at doing that, and she's enthusiastic about doing that. I mean, I we've talked about some really really far out directions that that we eventually want to get to, uh, but it's. Uh, you know, one step at a time. Oh, thank you for this first reasonably spontaneous conversation on Corey Lynn Green. I want to pick it up next time exactly where you were. So the next time we're going to talk about the impelling that is that you have as a producer, that the, the vistas that you want to go, how you're keeping fresh in your consciousness, and we'll we'll get to that next time. So thank you, Doug. Thanks for this first time. Like I said, I wanted to center it around Corey Lynn Green because I wanted to be able to, that's where you and I met, and then we'll take it from there. Does that sound okay? That sounds great, Dennis. I really appreciate it. And you ask great questions. I, well, I, I look forward to the next one. We will do it. And thank you, everybody, for watching, and we will see you next time. This episode of Reasonably Spontaneous Conversations has been brought to you in part by In Search of the New Compassionate Male. For more information, go to newcompassionatemail.com.